I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh, my Sorry. goodness. That's right. You're from a sheltered homeschool background. I'm just younger than you, Brian. <laughs> you might look up to somebody and have mm-hmm. a good chunk of your faith funneled through a particular person, and that right. person turns out to not be who they seem. All truth is God's truth. And that helped me because truth is truth, no matter who speaks it. Welcome to Living Beyond Your Memes, where we try to help Christians get beyond talking points and pat answers and engage the world around us the way Jesus did. I'm your host, Brian LaCroix, and I'm joined by my good friend, Josh Latterell. In this episode, we're talking about how do we handle scandal in the church? I like that alliteration there, Brian. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, one of the things about being a pastor is sometimes you learn how to do that kind of thing. So have five points and they all start with B or That's something right. like that. <laughs> I'd never got that good okay. at that. No. If I ever did more than three points, I thought I was, you know. Well, of course, the preaching class I took, the very first one, is basically an intro, three points, and a closing. And uh, the old joke is, you know, three points and a poem. You know, ah. so, but I could never do that. I was never much of a. If you're more Calvinist, maybe you'd go for five points. But. That true, very true. Yes, and they would all start with letters from Tulip. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, good. yeah. I was, so how you been? I've been good. You know, good. Uh, work's been going well. Life's going okay. You know, things are swimming along as we go through our what 59th blizzard um, of the season. Yeah, it's snowing again as we record this podcast. Yeah, so yeah. I. Uh, Really thought that maybe I could get away with not buying a snowblower ever because mm. I don't really like snowblowers. Mm-hmm. And then uh, it seemed like we were just going to keep getting snow and I didn't want to give myself, uh, you know, some kind of injury and have to go get so- shoulder surgery. So mm-hmm. it seemed like a snowblower was a good deal. Snowblower versus sh- shoulder surgery within the yeah, next four yeah, years. Yeah, maybe. I feel like that mm-hmm. would be a good deal. So you bought a snowblower. I bought a snowblower. And then uh, it immediately snowed like for <laughs> three days straight. So, it's, oh yeah, so you got to use it. <laughs> so I even. got to use it. Awesome. I definitely did not waste my money. Excellent. Excellent. And uh, for the tech folks out there, I got a cordless battery powered snowblower, and mm. it is the coolest. It's the first one that kind of holds its own against your typical gas powered, but cool. It's no maintenance on it. You just go charge up the batteries for an hour and then go. Blow some nice, more snow and nice. I can I can do everything I need to do and more plus like go all the way down the block if I want to and single charge and, ah, and no serve problem. your neighbors. That's yep, cool. Exactly. So excellent. Good. Yeah. I feel like that I do. I, I really did think about it as a service to my neighbors. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I am sort of framing it as a tithe. So I just tithe go. to I see. <laughs> the purchase of a snowblower. There you go. I've got a snowblower and it's been in my garage for like three years straight. Yeah. See, Haven't, that's what happens to mine. It. You sit there and then it, the gas goes bad. And then yeah. you're like, when you do need it, you spend more time starting it right. than actually shoveling snow. Right. So, yeah. Now, I actually have it tuned up every year. Oh, do you? Because I always have good intentions about actually using it. And then, See, you're a little bit more proactive than me. Yeah. I just yeah. wait till it snows and, and then, then I go, for, oh, yeah. why won't this start? Right. Well, then I forget I've got it because I've got teenagers to shovel my sidewalk. And I don't have a very big mm-hmm. lot, so uh, I can take my kids 15 minutes to shovel the thing out and we're done. For a vast audience, you know, in the southern states, they're probably not going to relate to this <laughs> conversation at all. But for those of you 
in the Dakotas. <laughs> That's right. I'm sure you'll appreciate that. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Cool. And, uh, you know, I say thank you to everybody. Uh, we did miss last week an episode. Appreciate your patience with coming back with us here. Or just some life stuff that just kind of got in the way with schedules, et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, but now we're back, back in the New York groove. So, well, Aberdeen groove. Sorry, I flew into my 70s Ace Freely hit song there. So I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh, my sorry. goodness. That's that's right. You're from a sheltered homeschool background. I'm just younger than you, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> nothing to do with being sheltered. Back in the New York Groove was the song from Ace Frehley, the original lead guitarist for Kiss. And there was a time they each did solo albums, and his was the most successful out of all of them. And that was the main song that he, uh, his main hit from that album. So Gotcha. Well, you know, homeschooled or not, I'm sure my parents wouldn't have been letting their eight-year-old kid listen to Kiss. So. No, probably not. Yeah. That was my first concert. There you go. Yeah, I was 12 years old. Saw Kiss. Ooh. Yeah, it's great. Anyway. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I want to hear more about that. Yeah. But that's a different that's right. podcast. Yeah. 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 Oh, okay. oh, and then for those who aren't, uh, <laughs> who don't like uh, secular rock music, um, my first Christian concert, I think, was- um, You tell me it's Striper? No. Oh, Petra. That would have been awesome. <laughs> Striper would have been awesome. And Raz Band. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Anyway, anyway, moving anyway, along, right? So, so we are going to discuss a rather heavy topic. As I was talking with Josh before we recorded, started recording this, this might end up over two episodes. We'll just kind of see how's the, how the time goes. And it's about how do we handle scandal in the church. And this has been precipitated by my reading of the book, Let the Trumpet Sound by Stephen B. Oates. And I'll put a, a link to uh, that book in the show notes. It's the biography of Martin Luther King that I'm working through. And it's a hard read at this particular point. Where I'm at right now is 1965. And uh, he is he is leading the Selma March about now. So it's a very pivotal time in the uh, history of the civil rights movement. Uh, just previous to this was, in fact, a week before this, if I remember right, was Bloody Sunday. And uh, on Bloody Sunday, a march was being led and it was beat down literally uh, by law enforcement. And uh, it was horrible. Uh, but my point in this is that it was during this time that the FBI was really increasing its surveillance of Martin Luther King. And they had bugged his hotel rooms. They bugged everything, everywhere that this guy could possibly be. And on those tapes, they recorded him um, committing adultery. And it wasn't just the FBI. And, and in fact, numerous sources knew of these affairs, um, not just the FBI, but his friends. And I had heard this before, that he had had numerous affairs. But it's only been recently that I've actually read it from a credible source. And as I mentioned in, in a previous episode, it's causing attention in my spirit as I wrestle with the fact that there is no question that God used this guy mightily. And yet, there's also no question that he was a man who succumbed to temptation. And I, I don't know that he looked for opportunities to commit adultery. I think they probably presented themselves, and he was willing to do that. And that was a sin. That's adultery. And he was willing to sin against his wife and these other women and God in the midst of all this. And that's hard for me to wrap my brain around. Now, he's far from the first or last Christian leader to have an affair or to be accused of them. 
Uh, in fact, many of our readers will re- remember that not too long ago, the evangelical world was rocked by the discovery of Christian apologist Ravi Zacharias's sexual abuse of women that went over a number of years. And then a few years ago, megachurch pastor and author Bill Hybels was accused by numerous women of abuse. Uh, and the list can go on and on and on. There are many others in the history of the Church of Jesus, and I'm sure others will come to light before Jesus returns. Now, these men are not also not the first to be a lightning rod for controversy. Uh, I'm currently listening to the podcast series, The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill from Christianity Today, chronicling primarily the leadership of Mark Driscoll. And while I haven't heard anything yet in terms of anything like sexual immorality, his teachings and leadership style were controversial to the point of his being removed from the pastorate. So here's another guy. Another famous example. Uh, from the past is Amy Semple McPherson, a famous Pentecostal female preacher who was alleged to have faked her own kidnapping. And she was a very flamboyant preacher. She was one of the founders of the Foursquare denomination, the most famous preacher of her day. And um, no man came close to her popularity. And yet she married like four times and then faked this kidnapping um, or apparently faked this kidnapping. Some testify that they saw her with another man during this time, but there's all sorts of speculation about that. But she was she was a lightning rod for controversy. What era was that? I guess I don't. Um, that's not a familiar early 1900s. Okay. Yeah, I think it was like 1924. So even before your time. Is yes. What you're saying. Yes. Okay. Barely. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the answer to a trivia question for you: Who baptized Marilyn Monroe? Oh, who baptized Marilyn Monroe? Amy Semple McPherson. Really? Yes. That's fascinating. Yes. I learned that from history.com. So anyway, <laughs> so all of these people that I've mentioned with the exception of, of McPherson are people that I've listened to, learned from, and respected highly. And I was shocked and even hurt when these things came to light. So I had to wrestle with the fact that these people sinned. And then in spite of that, God used these people in the lives of many others, including myself. And I also had to wrestle with the fact that while I might not like it, what they had taught about other issues was truth, even if it came from a flawed vessel. In fact, I'm remembering right now when I heard about Jesus, and I think I may have mentioned this in a previous podcast, but I came to Christ at a Christian concert from a Christian comedian whose uh, claim to fame was being a former satanic high priest and Vietnam veteran. And turns out none of that was true. He, he did go to Vietnam, but he didn't have the, um, what's the word, the exploits that he proclaimed to have while he was in Vietnam. And he was certainly not the leader of a satanic coven uh, in California at the time. So everything he said about himself was a lie. But when he talked about Jesus, he spoke truth. And I gave my life to Christ that night at his concert because what he said about Jesus was true. And God can use anybody in any way to bring truth and bring his kingdom down. So um, any thoughts on any of that, Joshua, before? That's a story that I haven't heard before from Mm. you. And I'm just curious, obviously that was, I don't know, disturbing, traumatic when you discovered that the guy that led you to Christ essentially Mm -hmm. wasn't who he claimed to be. but that didn't cause your belief in what he had shared to 
to waver. And I'm just right. curious about that because, you know, there are people that do fall away from the, the faith. And if they, their faith is at least, you know, based on mm-hmm. a particular preacher, that, right. you know, if they're, mm-hmm. you know, strongly connected to a particular preacher or a particular mm-hmm. interpretation of scripture that then falls apart, mm-hmm. then if their faith is really strongly based on that person or that, you know, tradition and that tradition starts to fall away then mm-hmm. they can fall away from the faith too and i've right. seen that happen quite a few times i think you know it's behind a lot of deconstructions right that right. happen yes and um the reason i think that that did not affect me negatively like that is just i was so i had been discipled in my faith so well that when the revelations of the skies falsehoods came uh, around I could recognize it for the fact that he had lied about his background. He didn't lie about what he spoke about regarding truth. One of my mentors from my early Christian years said, you know, that all truth is God's truth. And that helped me because truth is truth, no matter who speaks it. So the truth of the gospel is the same, no matter who speaks it. Uh, The Apostle Paul talks in uh, Philippians that some people preach the gospel just out of spite. In fact, some, he was saying specifically that some people were preaching the gospel just to get him in trouble. And he was already under house arrest when he wrote the book of Philippians. And he's saying, there's just people out there telling others about Jesus just because they want to get me in trouble. He says, but I rejoice because the gospel is preached. And I thought, there's a guy who can separate things very well. And he can say that God can use even a spiteful declaration of the good news of Jesus to his glory. Would that apply to people who are charlatans or maybe preaching the gospel and mm-hmm. also trying to build themselves up, enrich themselves or I think so. But again, because it's the gospel, the gospel is true no matter who's speaking it or for, even for what motivation. Yeah. So now you mentioned something about how some people will fall away from the faith or can fall away with faith because of the person, you know, being found out to be a charlatan or whatever. I think right now of Josh Harris, sure, who wrote uh, I Kiss Dating Goodbye, and uh, his is a very sad story. He wrote a book about court, uh, courting, a courtship, and uh, not dating, and it was what he felt he should do at the time, and he ran into people later who were very hurt by his book and, and who were harmed even, he would say, and that caused him to question many, many things, including his faith in Christ, and he has since walked away, I also think that the conversations he's had, though, with other believers, I think God's going to use those to draw him back, I think. I hope so. I actually uh, met him in Oklahoma City in somewhere around 2015, 2016. So this was before the, yeah, so I had a, I don't know, 10 minute conversation with him. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was actually a book that I read talking mm-hmm. about, you know, being sure. a sheltered homeschooler. I definitely <laughs> read that book. This isn't really related, but I, I was affected in terms of how I thought mm-hmm. about relationships and mm-hmm. to some extent faith. Mm-hmm. And as I got older, I, I realized that some of those things that seemed like they were about holiness or about, mm-hmm. you know, being faithful to God or doing things right mm-hmm. were, mm-hmm. In addition to scripture, they were man's yep. ideas. They weren't God's ideas, even though that's kind of how they were sold. Right. 
And then you have to have some compassion for him too, because yeah, he's absolutely. this gifted kid that's 16, 17, eight years, 18 years old. Mm-hmm. He's got parents that are in the ministry that, mm-hmm. you know, suddenly he gets elevated and pushed into the ministry and then he's yep. got a book deal and then there's money involved and then there's, mm-hmm. there's this whole movement. And then I just think the maturity to handle any of that and really sort through it for yourself and think mm-hmm. through your faith for yourself would be, right. it'd be very difficult for anybody. So Absolutely. I can certainly see why he might look back on that and feel that, you know, he was just going along with mm-hmm. what everybody else was telling him and never really sort of thought through his faith for himself. Right. So I don't know, you know, I, it's not like I, mm-hmm. I, I know the guy, but it's somebody that I at least, can identify with in some ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and I found myself re-examining a lot of things that I was taught when I was mm-hmm. growing up and making yep. sure that, you know, I believed things for the right reasons and so forth. Yep. And so he and I, you know, ended up in very different places in our faith. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can at least understand sort of right. some of what he's gone through, but yeah, mm-hmm. he did. He ended up walking away from his faith and, and also from his family too. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, which is a sad situation. Right. Right. And well, and others have left the faith mm-hmm. and, and in a sense blamed him for that, which is sad, you know, and, and uh, that's a hard burden to bear. I mean, to, to have somebody accuse you of hurting them mm-hmm. to the point where they don't even want Jesus anymore. That has to be a pain that I can't even imagine that he had to struggle with. So my hope is that Josh Harris will, you know, circle back, you know, and that, that God will bring people into his life who will, sure. who will bring healing to him. On the other side of things, you see some of the uh, Duggars, if you remember the, yeah. the oh, my. homeschooling family. Yeah. There's some really weird crap that went down in that family that, mm-hmm. you know, was sort of hidden and kept under the rug for years, in yep. some cases knowingly. Yes. And uh, a couple of, at least one of the daughters, maybe two, have been sort of talking about their experiences mm-hmm. and how they, you know, realize that many of those things that they were taught, and this is maybe inside baseball or too much information, but they were in this homeschooling group called the Institute for Basic Life Principles. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Bill Gothard. Bill Gothard. Which my family also got into for a little bit until yep. they realized it was a little wacky and then got out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but many, many people's faith, especially formative years, especially if they were homeschoolers, let's say, and mm-hmm. when and their families decided to adopt this curriculum, it's a very specific way of looking at the Bible and interpreting things yes. that, again, seem very spiritual and very God-honoring, but it's basically funneled through one man's interpretation of mm-hmm. scripture that upon closer inspection does fall apart and it leads to some really weird mm-hmm. places. And it yeah. did for the Duggar family. It did for some of, sure. you know, my friends when I was that age. So, yep. well, um, and Bill Gothard uh, yeah. himself was, I can't remember exactly what the scandal was. About that. Yeah, was but there were some really weird, like mm-hmm. it was things. Like leadership issues. Was it authoritarianism? Was there well, some, I can't remember. I don't I know. I mean, okay. if you want to get into sexual sin, there were certainly some accusations there oh, where okay. Okay. he was pretty adamant that single men and women shouldn't be, you know, alone together, for instance, because it looked bad. But then he would have these single women alone with him and helping him win ministry and that sort of thing. So it just, there's a bunch of yeah. stuff there. Yeah. Well, and, and, and I don't want to get off track. I'm just right. saying, like, that's, that's another situation where you might look up to somebody and have a good chunk of your your faith or your 
you know, your mm-hmm. concept of Christianity or God even mm-hmm. funneled through mm-hmm. a particular person and that right. person turns out to not be mm-hmm. who they seem. So Well, and and then if we look at it even from an outside perspective, let's go back to the Duggars for a minute. I mean, they were very famous because they had a TV show and everybody who watched the show knew that these were Jesus-loving people who had a very conservative, maybe ultra-conservative uh, view on family structure, leadership structure, all these things, 19 kids plus however many it was. But behind that facade was Josh Duggar, who is now serving time in prison and who sexually assaulted two of his sisters. And people outside the family, too, I think. That's, I think you're right there. Yeah. But uh, if people were to wa- be watching that show, go, man, I really look up to the Duggars. And then all of a sudden, it's front page news that these things are happening. And I, if I'm right, one or two of the daughters might be not living for Jesus anymore, too, or just, I'm not I'm sure. I'm not sure. Yeah. Okay, I, I was never a fan. I didn't, like, yeah, I, I, yeah. I don't want to speak to things I don't know about. Right. So I didn't really. Yeah. So I, I can't say that for sure. But anyway, obviously, that whole thing has fallen apart. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of hurt, a lot of shame, and a lot of disillusionment inside and outside the church, inside and outside the homeschool movement, um, et cetera. So, but uh, stuff happens within the family of God and, and it hurts. And we need to be careful that we don't put ourselves in a position where a witness can be decimated. And that was one of the problems with Martin Luther King. And as they were discussing strategy sessions, you know, they were getting threats from the FBI saying, you knock this off or we're going to expose you, you know, and they like, okay, so is, is this an idle threat or is he going to, is J. Edgar Hoover going to really do this thing? And, and uh, Hoover hated Martin Luther King with a passion. I mean, there was so much hatred there toward Martin Luther King from J. Edgar Hoover, the director of the FBI. Who himself had some oh, interesting yeah. uh, things going on in his personal right. life. <laughs> he certainly did. Not squeaky clean by any means. No. So I guess what if that were to happen in a congregation that we're involved with? Mm-hmm. You know, and that's that's where I really want to take this. And so let me get back to this a little bit here. And one of the things that I have to reflect on as I try to wrestle with all this is the fact that I am flawed beyond belief. And I have to pray that God will use me and my efforts in spite of myself. Um, I can tell you right now that during my pastorate, I, I was well aware of shortcomings of mine. And there was a time in my pastorate when there was a concerted effort made to have me removed because I had hurt some people. Uh, I didn't know it, or I didn't know at least the extent of all of it. And when I was actually made aware of it, it was very hard. And even though none of that hurt was intentional, it was nonetheless there. And I had to deal with that. And I had to apologize and repent and and that was no fun. But so we're going to talk about that a little bit more later. But um, I look on all these national figures and I think of these other pastors. The fact is that none of these people I've mentioned here were my pastor. I personally have not ever been in a congregation where uh, a pastor was removed or um, a scandal broke out. So I can't say that my own reactions were on par with, with those people in those congregations of the people that we just mentioned. And so I really don't know that I can say, I know how you feel. As I reflect 
uh, on my own reactions to these others uh, that I mentioned here from an outside perspective, I find that the things that I'm going to list as we go through the conversation here were just part of my own processing as I tried to wrap my brain around the news of all these people. And my hope is that were a scandal to hit a congregation that I'm ever part of, that I would do these things that we're going to talk about. So next week, we're going to talk about nine ways that I believe individuals can handle scandal within their congregations. And we're not going to talk about how a church should handle that as a congregation or leadership, because I'm not sure I'm ready to go there yet. But I'm thinking these are ways that I believe the Lord has impressed upon me to handle these as individuals were they ever to come my way. So that's what we're going to cover next week. Um, in the meantime, be praying for your leaders. Be praying for your congregation that the Lord would protect your leaders and your congregation from things like this so that we don't have to talk about these things so much anymore. We can just be lifting up our leaders and our congregations uh, for the glory of God and his kingdom. Gotcha. And if your leader happens to be Chuck Norris, of course, you don't have to worry about that because. That's right. Because. Chuck Norris never makes any mistakes. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. In fact. He is infallible. He is infallible. And uh, in fact, the, the Chuck Norris fact for the day here is that when there is a meteor shower, Chuck Norris grabs a bar of soap. Uh-huh. That sounds about right. Yes. All right. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time. Living Beyond Your Memes is a production of Truth Love Media and Discipleship DNA. Editing by EC Productions. If you like the show, please tell your friends and leave a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Get in touch with Brian LaCroix at DiscipleshipDNA.com. Thanks for listening, and we hope to see you in the next episode.